Good morning. As we make our way through the book of Genesis, we'll be in Genesis chapter 18 this morning, verses 1 through 20, talking about Abraham fellowshipping with the Lord. And God intends for us to learn from the life of Abraham because he is our father in the faith. He will, he, God sets him forth in the scripture here as an example to us. God wants us to learn that God is always faithful, even when his children are not faithful. And God wants to know that faith covers a multitude of sins. We have seen all these things already in the life of Abraham and Sarah. But God also wants us to know that those who love God by faith have the opportunity to fellowship with him. And often we describe ourselves as folks who are saved. We, we are people who've been saved. That's what we say. But would you, I wonder, describe yourself as someone who knows God? Not just someone who's been saved by God, but someone who knows God. And I, I want to be clear about this. I don't mean somebody who knows about God only, but someone who knows God, or rather are known by Him. Has God revealed Himself to you as He did to our father Abraham? So this morning, let's look at how Abraham knew the Lord, how Sarah knew the Lord, and how this relationship with him changed them both. So I'll begin reading in Genesis 18, 1 through 20. And the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to the men who were and to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree while I bring you a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you've said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, Quick, three seas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where's Sarah, your wife? And he said, She's in the tent. And the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you. About this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, you did laugh. Then, men set out the, then the men set out from there, and they looked down towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. 
Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very great. I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. This morning, as we look at Abraham and his fellowship, his relationship with God, I want us to see several things about Abraham that should be applicable in your life if you want to be someone who is a child of Abraham by faith, and Sarah, for that matter. The first thing I want you to see here is that Abraham's knowledge and fellowship with the Lord made him hospitable. He was a hospitable man. We see here that, I want to give you a little background that before we get to all this, you might accidentally think that Abraham led a life of adventure, but for the most part it was slow and boring like everyone else's life. We see here that Abraham is still living by the oaks of Mamre. Years have passed since the Battle of the Kings that we saw talked about in Genesis 15. So between Genesis 15 and 17, about, oh, uh, 20-something years have passed. Or 13 years. I can't remember. My math's off. I'm an English major. So here is Abraham sitting under his oaks. And this is important to me. I hope it's important to you. In 15, he's 86. Here he's 99. So that's 13 years. 13 years have passed. This is an extremely condensed version of Abraham's life. What's he been up to? For the past 13 years. Sitting under an oak tree. Just living life. He's 99 years old now. He's been sitting around somebody else's oak tree. For the past couple of decades or so. Tending goats and sheep. And just living life. And this is what your life is like too. I'm sure. Most of your day is. Your alarm clock goes off during the week at least. About the same time every day. You do the same thing every morning. Get up, take a shower, brush your teeth, comb your hair, go to work, wonder when it's going to be lunch, go take your lunch break, go home. And the most exciting conversation perhaps that you have all day long is, what are we going to eat for supper tonight? And that happens day after day after day. And that is exactly what the life of Abraham was like for the most part. That's how he lived. But on this day... The Lord comes to visit Abraham in a most unusual way. And it's so unusual that it's hard to tell really kind of what's going on if you read it and look over it. The Lord God apparently shows up with two angels. And it's not apparent that immediately that Abraham knows that these men are angels and that it is the Lord. All we know is that Abraham is sitting outside his tent in the heat of the day. And it's in the desert, so that means it's real hot. He's probably just sweltering, sitting there. And all of a sudden he sees these three men. And what does he do? He runs to greet them. It says in verse 2, When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. Now that is hospitality. Why would he react in such a way? Well, we know that in the Middle East, that hospitality is a little bit different than it is here in the United States. And it surely was in the day of Abraham. But Abraham knew that if he was sitting outside the tent, in the sweltering heat of the day, then these men who were on this journey across the desert in the heat of the day must surely have been famished. And so he ran out there, bowed himself to the ground, and he said, Hey, stop here. Y'all come sit under my shade tree. Did you see what he said? Y'all come sit under my shade tree. We'll get you a little water, and we'll make you a little food. But he doesn't make a little food and a little water. He makes like four quarts of cakes. At least he has Sarah do it. And then he runs down and gets a calf, 
A nice one, young and tender, the Bible says. And he has a young man prepare it. And so he prepares an entire calf for these guys. And he makes cakes for them. And he takes them out there. And I want you to notice this because this is so beautiful. You think of Abraham as the mighty man of faith. Look at him in verse 8. Then he took curds and milk. And by the way, if you don't know what curds are, that's like milk that's turned. Apparently some people like to eat that. But there you go. It's a good thing to eat, I guess. He took curds and milk and the calf he had prepared said it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Now when it says that he stood by them by the tree as they ate, it means that he waited on their table. Abraham did not eat. He stood and served them like a servant. Abraham's knowledge and fellowship of God led him to be a man of hospitality. And hospitality is important. It is a hallmark of the Christian faith. If we want to be sons and daughters of Abraham, we should treat people as Abraham treated them, both Abraham and Sarah. When he said, quick, make a bunch of flowers, she did not hesitate. She did what he had asked. She knew, apparently, that they had had company. Hebrews 13.2 says this. I'm reminded of this passage, and I can't help but think that the author of Hebrews had this particular episode in mind when he wrote this in Hebrews 13.2. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unaware. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, as Paul is giving to Timothy the qualifications for an elder in the church, he says this. An overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. An elder in the church must be hospitable. And that does not mean that the rest of the church is exempt from hospitality. It simply means that when you choose someone for an elder, they should be an exemplar of what the rest of the church should strive to be. We are called to be hospitable as Abraham was hospitable. The Bible has a lot to say about hospitality. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. Leviticus 19, 33 through 34. The word of the Lord says that when a stranger comes, when an alien or refugee comes to your land, that you are to love him as you love yourself. We are messed up. When the stranger comes to Abraham's tent, he goes and bows himself to the ground and serves them as if he is the servant and they are the honored guest. Brothers and sisters, this is not Republican and Democrat. This is Leviticus 19. We are to be loving, inviting, accepting of the stranger and they are to be honored and loved. When Jesus said, what's the greatest command? He said, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and, love your, and all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. He's quoting from Leviticus 19. With regard to the stranger and alien in your land. When Jesus Christ wanted to teach us what it was like to be a neighbor. What did he tell us? Behold a man was on his way to Jerusalem. He was beset by robbers and left by the road as nearly dead. And two people passed him by because they didn't care. But a man not of that country. A Samaritan man took him. Paid for his care. Put him in a hotel and said whatever is left over when I come back I will pay it. Jesus said who's the neighbor? This is the word of the Lord. 
This hospitality, the Christian church is supposed to practice. We are not called of the Lord ourselves to be. Each individual, some of you may be. Eventually one day, I don't know. The border patrol. We are called to advance an ever-expanding kingdom that knows no borders, language, or barrier. That's our job. The reason we are to be hospitable and the reason Abraham was hospitable was because we serve a hospitable God. He is very gracious and inviting. Every day we live on his earth. It's his earth. Every day we live here, he provides for us in every single way. Even those who don't even like him, every day he provides for them. Every day he takes care of them. Every day the Lord has prepared the fatted calf for us here. He provides for us every day. He shows us grace day after day. So if we want to be hospitable as the people of God, as the children of Abraham and Sarah, we need to be inviting people into our homes. We need to be showing them the love of Christ. And if we are going to be a truly pro-life people, it means caring for the unborn, the already born, and those who come here across the border. We treat them fairly with love and kindness. Every single person is made in the image of God. We should treat them with love and respect and dignity. This is the Bible. And so I want to say this very harshly as I can. Your loyalty does not belong to a party. It belongs to God. So orient ourselves according to this word. That doesn't mean we can't have laws. doesn't mean we can't live orderly. doesn't mean we can't have rules. But it does mean, above all else, we treat people as being made in the image of God. And we love them as we love ourselves. At the very least... Jesus actually made that command harder. I like to tell people. He didn't stop at love God with all of your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. When he left, he said, love one another as I have loved you. He loved us enough to die for us. That is the sort of hospitality we are to model. And so Abraham's knowledge of God and being a servant of God and as an example of our faith was a hospitable man. He killed the fatted calf for his guests. He made sure that Sarah made some bread for them. And he even said, let us bring a little water for your feet. Wash your feet. Rest from your journey. Sit under my oak tree. And at some point it comes to pass. It's hard to see. The Lord is either one of these people. Or this is a theophany of the Trinity or something. It's hazy because sometimes Abraham speaks to them in singular. Sometimes it's plural. We don't know if he saw one as the Lord at a pre-incarnate Christ appearance or what. We know two of these men go down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and it does not turn out well there. seems that they were angels, so perhaps one of these is the Lord. The other two are the angels. But because Abraham fellowship with the Lord, not only was he hospitable, but the Lord spoke to him. He spoke to him, and he says, Where is Sarah, your wife? He knows about Sarah. And if you fellowship with God like Abraham did, he will speak to you. And I mean that. I don't mean that God is going to show up at your house like a theophany and look like a person or speak to you in a burning bush. But he will speak to you through his word. And that's how we know him and hear from him. 
And he will speak to us through his word. And I hope that when I say that he will speak to you through his word, that that's not a disappointment to you. If it is, I'm sorry. But this word is not just words on a page. It is a living and active word of God. It gets down in your heart. It's buried like a seed. And it comes out and bears fruit. And you will carry it with you everywhere you go. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It will divide the joints and the marrow. It's not spoken of just like merely words on a paper. It's not dry. It comes to life in your heart. And when you hear things and you see things and you interact with people, the word of the Lord will be with you as your guide all the time. The word of the Lord says that as we... If you don't know the word of the Lord, you won't realize maybe the Holy Spirit is in your heart all the time reminding you, you are a child of God. The Spirit of God given to you cries out, Abba, Father, all day, every day. You can know Him. He will speak to you. He will bring the things that you have put in your heart, hidden His words in your heart that you might not sin against Him. He will bring these things to mind when you need it. You will know Him and you will remember Him and you will speak His word and others will know Him because of you and you will start acting like Him. Hospitable and kind. And hear the word of the Lord. God speaks to Abraham and to Sarah. He says, where's Sarah? She's in the tent. She's like listening. Because it's, you know, they're living in the desert. And probably not a lot of people wander by. And so Abraham's out there waiting tables. And she knows she's baked bread. And she's just sitting in there listening to their conversation. Because who wouldn't? And she hears them say, where's Sarah? She's in the tent. This time next year I'm going to come back and she's going to have a baby. And she laughed. Because she's 90. And the Bible says here so helpfully, as if we didn't know, it says, and the way of woman had ceased to be with Sarah. That means she couldn't have babies anymore. She was done. She had gone through menopause at some point, and that day was over. And also she said, she said herself, I'm old and worn out, and my Lord is old too. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah was old, and so she thought, okay. Just not sure that that's what's going to happen. I'm, he's 99, I'm 90. Shall I still have this pleasure, she said. And she laughed. And then the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? <laughs> that's good stuff. Because just the last chapter, God came to Abraham and said the same thing. To Abraham, he said, hey, this time next year, Sarah is going to have a baby. And what did Abraham do? He laughed. He fell down and laughed and said, Lord, I'm so old. Let Ishmael live before you. And the Lord said, no. It's going to be a son from your own wife, Sarah, and his name will be Laughter. His name's going to be Isaac. When God tells Abraham, you're going to have a son, Abraham Isaac, he laughed. When God was talking by the oaks of Mamre, eating the bread cakes and eating the Steak. He said, hey, Sarah's going to have a baby. And she laughed. And he said, you're going to name him Isaac. Because both of y'all laughed when I told you. But here's the word of the Lord. Why did Sarah laugh? Why do you think she laughed? Because it was absurd. But then he says, is anything too difficult for the Lord? She laughed because she thought this dude must be crazy. And the Lord said, the reason you laughed is because you think this thing is too difficult. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? 
And she says, I didn't laugh. He says, yes, you did. <laughs> and you're going to laugh again. Because on the day she has this boy, she says, I have laughed. And the world will laugh with me. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Hear the word of the Lord this morning. I said the Lord would speak to you. He's speaking to you now. What's going on in your life that you think is hopeless, that you are helpless, and that can never be changed? Hear the word of the Lord. Is anything too difficult for him? Listen, are you a child of Abraham and Sarah? Then you are a child of God. And God treats you just like Abraham and Sarah. And so he will say to you this morning, from his word, is anything too difficult for him? Is there anything in your life you think that cannot be changed, that cannot be helped? Then you are wrong. God can do it. And if he doesn't, it's because we might have asked for a stone instead of bread. God can do what he says he will do. How we need fellowship with the Lord so that he will speak these promises into our heart. You stay out there in the world without him, without his word. You get out of the word of God and out of the fellowship of his saints and your heart will start to despair because this world is full of darkness and sadness and sorrow and we are pushing back against that with only the sword of the Lord, the word of God. That's all we have. And the fellowship of his saints. And if you get away from those, you'll be like an ember plucked out of the fire. You will slowly start to fade. You cannot survive without fellowship with the Lord and with his people. You will become sad and sorrowful because that's all that's out there for you. But fellowship with the Lord, you'll find out there's nothing too difficult. Where is your faith? What do you need? The Lord will bless you. He will keep you. He will cause his face to shine on you. He will give you peace. He is with you even now. And the joy of the Lord can be your strength if you fellowship with him. He is good. He is kind. And if you love him and you fellowship with him, he will speak to you. He will speak right to your heart. He will speak things so wonderful you won't be able to hardly stand it. If he just says... You're my daughter, daughter of Sarah, son of Abraham. And if you fellowship with the Lord, you'll know what he's going to do. You'll know what the Lord's going to do. The Lord shares his will with those who love him. And I don't mean you'll know who wins the World Series. I don't think he's going to share that with you. But you will know what God is doing because that part is not as important to us. What is the Lord doing? He tells Abraham here, he says, look, Abraham's my friend. Should I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? I'm going to make him a great nation. I'm going to raise him up and keep my promises to him. Should I hide from him what I'm about to do? And he does share. He says, we're headed down to Sodom and Gomorrah because it's terrible. If it's as terrible as everybody said, I don't know. Next week we'll see what Abraham does. There's a reason God tells Abraham what he's about to do because Abraham starts praying what is the Lord doing for us what's the will of the Lord the Lord wills to reach the nations with the gospel the Lord wills to change lives in our midst we are a church 
We are a church. The most invincible thing ever. And he's going to change people and he's going to change lives through us. Listen to what I'm saying. Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? He's going to change your life. And he's going to change other lives through yours. Do you believe it? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Can you be a person who changes others? Yes, you can. He's going to change people and lives through us, and that's a fact. And he loves us, and we, like Abraham, are going to be a blessing to the nations. We are the inheritors of the promises of Abraham. And God promised through Abraham that through his seed, all nations would be blessed. We are a part of those nations. We're a part of that promise. We are a part of the blessing. We are going to go and bless the nations from here. If everybody else quits, we're not quitting. In the day of judgment when Christ comes with his reward, people are going to rise up and call us blessed. They are. They're going to call us blessed because we were a blessing. There is no one safe anywhere on earth from our love and joy. We will take it wherever the Lord leads us to go. We are going to take this word. We already have. We are going to take the word of this joy and the reconciliation of God to the deserts and to the jungles and to the hills and to the hollers and to every single person we can find. We are going to share the love of God in Christ and we are going to be a blessing. And people are going to be changed and people are going to be influenced by our gospel witness and testimony. This is beyond doubt. And wherever we go, God will be with us. And he will fellowship with us. And as we go, God will pour joy into our hearts until we can't hold all the joy. Some of y'all are finally going to get happy in Jesus one day. You won't even be able to stand it. God will change you. He will change you through this happiness and joy. As he does... In the life of Abraham and Sarah, with this little promise, she's going to have a little baby. And she does have the baby. And God brings joy. And this baby is a blessing to all nations. Abraham saw Jesus would come. Abraham saw my day, Jesus said. And what did he do? He rejoiced. We are to be like Abraham, a visitation from the Lord. We don't get this sort of, they call it in theology, theophany, appearance of God, the way Abraham did. And see, you might think, oh man, I wish I could see God like Abraham did. You're 50,000 times more blessed than Abraham ever was. 13 years, how many times did Abraham get to go to church and hear the word of God preached? Never. Abraham didn't even know about the church. Abraham sat outside a hot tent with no plumbing every day in the heat of the day, sitting there with nothing else to do. You got 50 million things to do. It took Abraham years to get from Ur of the Chaldeans over to Canaan's land. You can hop on a plane and be halfway around the world in 14 hours. You can do things he never dreamed of. You've seen Jesus. We live on this side of the promise. He has given to us a church. We can sing songs. Abraham, in all of his days, never heard singing like we heard this morning. I'm not even saying we're that great. 
I'm saying he didn't have this stuff. We are blessed out. It's unbelievable. The things that we can see and the things that we can do. How many countries that we, just from this church, can go to. The people we can touch. If we will fellowship with the Lord. If you will fellowship with the Lord, he will make you not stingy, but open. He will make you hospitable. You will be inviting people into your homes and into your lives with the hope that the joy you have might be theirs. And he will speak to you. And when you go and you are witnessing and you are trying to help people, the Lord God will let you know he's happy about it. Because you'll be happy. And when you fellowship the Lord, you know what he will do. Jesus said, come here, guys. Look. At the nations. It's white to harvest. Pray. The Lord will send out people to labor in that harvest. That's us. So someday, I know, I have great unshakable confidence that God will use this church to change the world. Parts of it. I don't have the slightest doubt about it. Right now, even as I say it, my heart swells with joy. Just get in that labor. Not just around the world, I'd love for you to go there. But here, when you walk out here, listen, our town is sad. It's full of lostness and sin and hopelessness and despair. Neck deep in it. They don't know which way to turn. It's like Jesus said, they're like sheep without a shepherd scattered. And we can go out there and make a difference. We truly can. I'm not talking about anything crazy. I'm talking about just loving your neighbor. Do it. And you will be Abraham's sons and Sarah's daughters. We're going to sit at their table one day. Listen to me. We are going to sit at Abraham and Sarah's table. And all these lives that have been changed by the gospel of Christ, they will be there too. From every tongue and every tribe and every nation. Keep your focus on that. Anything else is a tremendous disappointment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we pray this morning you will help us to be like Abraham. A hospitable people. A people whose love for neighbor compels us to care for our neighbor. Lord, a people who, because of the great joy of the promise that you have, a people that you speak to us, that you constantly whisper to us through your word as we hide it in our heart. You teach us how to be. And Lord, we know what you're going to do. You are going to judge the world in righteousness, and the guilty shall not escape unpunished. Lord, you have given us the message of reconciliation that no one has to go into that place called hell because of the redeeming power of the death and resurrection of your Son. Help us to go and to tell others why we are the way we are and why we have the hope that we have. God, I pray if there's someone here this morning who has never known the joy of the Lord, whose heart has been dead in trespass and sin, I pray today that through the power of the gospel you will wake them to eternal life. God, you are splendid and glorious. Have mercy on us today for Christ's sake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'll please stand.